you all last week being here in this space while some of us were on the retreat and um, had a great time there and I know you all had a good time here. I heard that even though there was a small number, they were great singers. So that's mostly, <laughs> that's always true at Okay. Well, we are um, in our fourth week of a five-week series called Walking the Way and we're focusing on holistic spirituality, and the image that we've been using is this one um, that has four quadrants, or four spectrums, or two ways of going in two directions, um, and we believe that this is a holistic way to live our lives of faith. So um, starting at the top with works of mercy, and the bottom with works of piety, and then moving from public to private or communal personal. And so the first week, Alan talked about worship, which is a public or communal work of piety. It's about, it's the upward, me and God, but it's something that we do together, not by ourselves. And then last week, um, Mary Jane talked about acts of devotion, which is also an upward, me and God thing, but it's something that we can do by ourselves. We don't have to be with other people to have a devotional life. And so today we're going to talk about compassion, which is a work of mercy, and it's on the private or personal side, but works of mercy are really something that we do not in our closets or in our rooms by ourselves, but something that we do engaged with other people. Though sometimes we have to prepare our hearts to be compassionate before we prepare to engage in compassion. So it's a work of mercy, an outward, not a me and God thing, but me and other people thing, but it's um, not something that we have to do as a team. It's something that we do on our own. So compassion is what we're talking about today. So I'd like to tell you a story about compassion. A story that Jesus told about compassion, and it's a story that you have probably heard or heard referred to, whether you grew up in the church or not, whether you've ever been to church or not, you've probably heard this phrase. And maybe it is used accurately in relation to the story, and maybe it's used inaccurately in relation to the story, but the story is called The Good Samaritan. So, you have in your mind something that you think that's about, right? So I want you to set that aside for a minute and to listen to this story as if you've never heard it and as if you don't know what a Good Samaritan is. And there's going to be a quiz after. Because we, you, are going to tell this story again what I've just said to you. Um, you don't have to do it all by yourself. People will help you because we're in worship and we do that communally. Um, so somebody's going to start though. Somebody's going to be our beginner. So listen to this story of Jesus that is recorded in the book of Luke. In the 10th chapter, beginning with verse 25, and I'm reading for the Common English Bible, and the title of this section in, in this version is called Loving Your Neighbor. <coughs> a leaf 
legal expert stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to gain eternal life? Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you interpret it? That's a question. He responded, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. You have answered your own question. Do this, and you will live. But the legal expert wanted to prove that he was right, that he was right. So he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In good Jesus fashion, Jesus does not give an answer. Jesus tells a story. Jesus replied, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He encountered thieves, who stripped him naked, beat him up, and left him near death. Now, it just so happens that there was a, that a priest was also going down that same road. When he saw the man, he crossed the other side of the road and went on his Likewise, a Levite came to that spot and saw the injured man and crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. A Samaritan, who was on a journey, came to where the man was. But when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. The Samaritan went to him and bandaged his wounds, tending them with oil and wine. He placed the wounded man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took two full days' worth of wages and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, Take care of him, and when I return, I'll pay you back for any additional costs. What do you think? Which one of these three were a neighbor to the man who encountered? Then the legal expert said, the one who demonstrated mercy towards him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So let's go back to the beginning. How, what's the situation? 
situation? What happens? Who says what to who? Who's the first character introduced in the scene? A legal expert. And what does the legal expert want? He wants to know what to do to get eternal life. And so Jesus tells him. Or what happens? says what's written in the law, and then he answers the question for himself, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, good. You got it. And then what does the um, legal expert say? Who is my neighbor? And why does he say that? He wants to get it right, or he wants to have an excuse for not getting it right. How right? far does my love have to go? Right. Yeah. <laughs> who, does, who, who can I exclude as my neighbor? <laughs> so then, Jesus says, I'll tell you a story. And the story begins. A man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. That's not a safe road. Not a safe journey. A man went down on a dangerous road. And what happened to him on this dangerous road? He got attacked. He got mugged. And left for dead. And then someone else, something else happens. A priest. A priest does what? Shows up. There he is. And what does he do? Crosses to the other side, sees the dying man, and walks off. And then what happens? Another good person, another priest-like person, comes. And what does he do? Same thing. Sees the guy dying on the side of the road and walks on. And then the Samaritan. And who's a Samaritan? Foreigner, <laughs> a person to be avoided, unclean, outsider, other. Not a good person shows up, and what does he do? The what we expect him to do, right? No, what does he do? Stops, helps, puts him on his own animal, offers to pay for any care that he receives, does everything for him. Takes care of him all night. Oh, yeah. And what? Promises to repair. 
So what's the question Jesus asks at the end of the story? Which one? Which one of these three was a neighbor to the man who encountered the thief? Which one of these three is a neighbor? I'm not talking about the man on the side of the road. We're talking about which one of the three was a neighbor. And what does the legal expert say? He doesn't say the Samaritan. He, he alludes to the Samaritan because he doesn't want to say, it's the bad guy. Right? So what does he say? How does he? The one who showed mercy. Because he's not quite ready to say, it was the Samaritan. And I should go and be like a Samaritan. Because that makes me lower on the totem pole than higher. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Go be a Samaritan. Great job. Thank you for telling the story. So the line that I think is the crux of that story, the turning point of the story, is a Samaritan was on a journey, came to the, where the man was, but when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. Compassion means to suffer with or to suffer together. Compassion. And it's about, not about empathy. It's not about saying, oh, poor you. I'm so sorry that you're suffering through that. It'll get better. It's okay. Just think about the good things in your life. <laughs> it's about Suffering together. Suffering with. So you may or may not know that I'm a huge Brene Brown fan. And I got this book with Rachel because we went to see her and got signed copies. <laughs> so, um, a little Brene Brown is a person of deep faith but a person who didn't know that she could be a person of deep faith because she had sort of written off religion because what she understood about it was that it was about certainty and politics. And Anne Lamott, who's a more famous author than Brene Brown, or a more long-standing famous author, helps to teach her that religion is about love and mystery. And so she um, went to this event in her hometown of Houston, where Anne Lamott was speaking. And it was a fundraiser for um, a local Episcopal church that is called the Lord of the Streets Church. And it's a church dedicated to serving homeless people. And Father Murray Powell was speaking at the beginning of the event, and he made this statement that lodged itself in her and changed the focus of her 
internal light for the next nine months to a year. What he said was, when you look away from a homeless person, you diminish their humanity and your own. She writes, when you hear something like that, you don't have to fully understand it to know that it's true. I know Father Murray well enough to know that it wasn't his intention. But the second he spoke these words, I felt a flush of shame. I suddenly thought, he's talking about me. I look away. And so she embarks on this journey to try to figure out why she looks away, because she's a researcher. She's a social worker researcher, and she wants to know, like, what is it in her, what is it in people that makes us do these things? And so, in the midst of that journey, she joined a church. A church that she was really excited about, a church that was doing good work in the world, a church that gave her a new perspective on her faith. She also upped her volunteering, because she thought, Maybe I look away because I feel like I'm not doing enough for people. And I'm ashamed that I'm not doing enough. And so I'm going to do more, and then I won't look away. And she also started putting more Gatorade and power bars, in her words, in her car to give to homeless people. But she still had that sense of looking away. And she had two major dramatic encounters with people who were in need, who were living on the streets, and who she didn't satisfy that need in any way, but she felt like there was something she was supposed to be learning from these experiences, from these encounters, but she couldn't figure out what it was. And then her mother nearly died. And so she and her mother had this opportunity to have this really honest and as a part of that, they were remembering her mother's mother, her grandmother, and how she had been different than them in some way. And that part of the story of her life was that hobos in that time would come, that's how they referred to them, would come and eat at her house. She would leave food on her porch for them. And they, and then she remembered how her grandmother was so vulnerable at the end of her life, and how that made Renee feel so uncomfortable. And she realized that her grandmother believed that she could receive as well as give. And she says, I th as I thought back to that moment with Meemaw, I knew exactly why I looked away. I was afraid of my own need. I was so afraid of my own need that I couldn't look me. 
was so afraid of my own need that I couldn't look mean in the eye. Compassion. To suffer together. It's not just about sympathy. It's about acknowledging a connection between someone else's suffering and my own. In order to find compassion, we all have to acknowledge that we are all weak and sometimes in need of help. We have to connect and honor someone else's humanity and in so doing that, acknowledge our own humanity and our own weakness and our own need.
because they are hungry right now. And you're going to have an opportunity to give in this basket right here in a few minutes as you come up to receive. Because we come and receive of God's grace and mercy for us in communion, which gives us an opportunity to give. There's all sorts of ways to give, and there's all sorts of ways to receive, but it has to be an in and out thing. If we always receive, we aren't whole. And if we always give and never receive, we aren't whole either. We need to connect. Not just band-aid it. Not throw something across the road at somebody who's sitting there dying. We need to not view it from a distance. But we both need to acknowledge it and enter into it emotionally. Which is not easy. And it makes us vulnerable. But it is transformational. And it is the way of Jesus. So I invite you to look for opportunities to be compassionate. Compassionate to others, compassionate to yourself, to give and to receive, to acknowledge someone else's need and to acknowledge your own need. Because we are so much better off suffering together than suffering alone. So be compassionate. Be like the one who showed mercy. And the one who always shows mercy to us each and every day of our lives.